Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so, allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, stagnancy, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arcadi into your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to guide it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed and you may be seated. I won't be passing on a greeting from our brother Kadi because our sister Tamara is in our presence uh, because she can do this uh, better than I can. So let us look at the places that we will be studying today. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. The theme of the sermon is the right to the power or the right to the anointing given by God to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. Without anointing of the Holy Spirit, we will not be able to do this. And so the word anointing is to have the legitimate right, the legitimate foundation to put off our former way of life and clothe our bodies into a new way of life. And to fulfill this decree and commandment that we just uh, read, written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons Apostle Arcadi, we need to put three destiny impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice. These are put off, be renewed, and put on. They are destiny impacting. There is our purpose. There is our inheritance. <clears throat> it is. It impacts our destiny. The commandment of Christ <clears throat> was never offered as an alternative. All of the commandments of God command, because not fulfilling God's commandments, Christ's commandments, the verdict is death. And these fundamental truths, they are fundamental, meaning that they pass through from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelations, uh, and they are with a red fine line all throughout the books. Fulfilling these three destiny impacting, commanding, and fundamental requirements will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. 
or more specifically, will, will our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a seed, identifying the deposit of our justification in the given to us salvation where we need to turn the three above-mentioned acts into profit. These three acts put off, be renewed, and put on within the death of our Lord Jesus so that our salvation can become our possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. <clears throat> and so what we receive in salvation, we receive justification freely by grace, we can only turn it so that we can profit, we can receive it as a possession in the form of fruit. We can't receive anything in the format of fruit without these uh, putting into practice these three acts. And if, But if we forsake it, then we will forever lose our justification that is given to us in the format of a deposit. Relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David, which reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High. And as we have noted, getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David, consisting of the eight names of God, allowed David to love and call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, so that he can be saved from his enemies. And God getting to know and confessing the truth that opens the power of his names within the heart of David provided God with legit with the legit basis he needs to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names in battle against the enemies of David. It is not a, possible to utilize the names of God if we can't demonstrate our love to him, love for his word, and to call upon him uh, using the word of God. He has revealed all his power and his names in the word of God, and you can love it in his word, love him in his word, and call, you can call upon him using his word. Psalm 18, 1 through 4. Here, he begins to activate God. <clears throat> and this is to battle against his enemies, his old man, uh, the old nature, and also the enemies that were around him, and how he needed to utilize the power of God's names. He needed to demonstrate his love to God and to acknowledge him in his in, in God in his names. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. And so eight names let us together proclaim them. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear these words and may he establish them in our heart and may he make us worthy of these names so we may be grounded and immovable in hope so that we correspond to the character that the church has, the member of which we are. Our pastor uh, uh, called the church, as we know, uh, there was a requirement to name this church so that we can register it, and God revealed to him that it will be the immovable foundation. This is the destiny of this church. 
I trust that pastor understood what this name meant or contained. We even, from our young age, have needed to deal with the opposition of carnal men who saw upon our pastor the mark of God and upon his people who would uh, be sent by or called by God <clears throat> and of course our pastor didn't correspond to the religious criteria and he uh, even as a child was already being tested um, so that he can then uh, lead this service and then teach the church to have this kind of strength, this kind of immovability in a specific format as much as the Lord has allowed and according to the measure of our faith we already looked at our inherited lot in the qualities and promises contained in the strength of God Most High and therefore we will immediately begin studying our lot, studying the qualities contained in the name of God Most High Rock which is the second name that David mentions in his prayer which in its inner essence and in its nature has an unearthly quality of hardness which is inherent to the nature of our heavenly father and is beyond the comprehension of the typical human mind of man in scripture the the identification of the word rock in regard to the natural quality of god most high is illustrated with the following uh tense rock is resistant strong healthy wise tested rooted well established immovable, continuous, non-diminishing, constant, fearless, non-penetrating, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's how the quality of the word rock, when it comes to the name of God Most High, identifies itself in Scripture. It's stone, cliff, heaviness, weights, weight, and scales. We see that we will not be able to possess the characteristics if we will not have a relationship with an individual who has these qualities. And so as we study, we study uh, who, what, or where, and then and the next then we study how and in what way and so we need to turn to the verbs we need to look at the verbs so that the Lord can act and we need to study all of these things so that they can work the existing name of God is the chief cornerstone and the quality of it is that he is hard and durable and is able to crush the enemy all begins with the uh, existing name of God and then what it is able to do which overcomes our enemies therefore the power of the name of God rock contains the ability of the most high to judge or weigh upon the scale plates of of justice all that is created by him to punish or reward each one according to their weight therefore to possess the power of the most high contained in the rock of his name is to possess the authority and right to judge both yourself as well as those people who are under your responsibility to judge within the parameters of the commandments and statutes of the Lord or to weigh your words and your actions upon the scale plates of justice of the Most High as well as the words and the actions of people that are under our responsibility.
And so the Lord begins to weigh us, and we talked about how great He is, the Lord who will weigh every one of us. For for Him, the nations are as a droplet in a bu- from a bucket, and islands are like just a is like the speck of dust, if you can imagine. And then you ask how this great God can weigh us. He weighs us right now when we read the and we hear the preached word. As the scriptures say, who had drawn the waters and who has um, measured the heavens. And so to draw waters, it's uh, waters with his hand that has five fingers. And God, to weigh us, uh, he will be examining us for the fivefold service or their uh, the essence of them within us and this is not just individually an ap- apostle prophet teacher evangelist and pastor this all needs to be in one person there needs to be one hand and when there's such a person he uh, there's such a person then he has a people then faithful people that will work in all aspects of of this fivefold service and with such a hand uh, if you know he also measured how did he measure John if you remember the, in the book of John he says everything you see right into the book and and uh, send it to the churches one person writes and he sends it to seven churches and there were there'll be one reader and then those who listen and so there's a person who writes this is the person who also reads there's a person who does not write for example I did not write this what do I do I read it the person who are the lips of God is the one who writes the one who is the hand of God the one who will be able to connect the book of Genesis and the book of Revelations this is the writer he said to John everything you see in your heart and everything you hear write it into the book and send it to the seven churches and there will be a person there that will read and the others will be listening and so this is a very important component and when we have this the Lord begins to weigh us and what does the Lord weigh what is valuable to him he weighs And he also mentions dust. Dust is a form of humility. He wants to examine our humility before him. He wants to also weigh our mountains and hills, God's promises and our ability to abide in a covenant with God and to hold the promises that are upon these mountains. Hills, they uh, pretty much hold the mountains. And so he brings forth this example of dust as our humility and these mountains and hills and he uh, measures these things in us and to master and clothe yourself into the unearthly quality of a rock contained in the name of God most high which quenches our hunger and thirst and brings us to power over our calling it is necessary for us to study four classical questions first question what in its essence is his name rock consisting in the qualities of the rock of the name of God Most High, what purpose in our prayer is the quality of His name rock called to fulfill, obtained by us in the power of His name? Third, what price do we need to pay to be clothed into the quality of His name rock contained 
in the rock of his name. And fourth, by what results do we need to judge that we truly possess the virtue of his name rock, consisting in the power of the rock of the name of God Most High? In a specific format, we already studied the first two questions, therefore we will immediately begin studying the third question. And this is the price. The third question, what price do we need to pay to possess the right to clothe our spirit into the virtue of the rock of the Lord so that God can receive the legitimate grounds that he needs to keep us in his perfect peace? As it is written, Isaiah 26, 3, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And so to be in this perfect peace, it is necessary to have uh, this quality of a rock. And to have this quality of a rock, you need to pay an appropriate price. And the first price that we had already studied, the price of the first condition for the right to possess the quality of the rock of the Lord in your spirit consists in planting yourself in the house of the Lord. We need to plant ourselves in the house of the Lord so that we can have the right to use the power of God's names, His name Rock. We need to plant ourselves, and not someone to plant us, but we, with God, plant ourselves into such a church. As it says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Psalm 92, 12, 13. And so to plant ourselves into the house of the Lord is not just coming and saying, accept me as a member or receive me as a member. We first we need to determine what our relationship is with heaven. We need to acknowledge that Jesus is our Lord and we need to uh, turn to God and say, our Father who is in heaven. And so, as we know, the heights of the heavens, and then there's the church. These are the uh, three dimensions of of heaven, or of, of where God abides. And so, the heavens, the church, and a humble and contrite spirit, three places where the Lord uh, desires to dwell. The heights of the heaven, the church of God, not a synagogue of Satan, there were people honor him, there were people hallow him, there were people honor him, and they love God more than anything else. There where there is the beauty of holiness. The Lord has written in his word what happens in, the, in his sanctuary, where, what happens in his temple, how do people behave in there? because it's all written and described. And this temple that is, is in accordance to Scripture is where God dwells or abides. And the humble and contrite spirit is the house also where the Lord abides. And so if I have a humble and contrite spirit and I abide in the church, which is God's temple, and I have a connection with heaven, then I am the house where that the Lord uh, calls his house and he, we can be planted in his house, the house of the Lord and have the right to uh, bloom. If I do not have a humble and contrite spirit, then I am a carnal man, a, a, a worldly man. I am Esau who wants everything for cheap or free. And he is willing to pay, uh, pay a price to forsake the truth if it's convenient for him. 
And so to be planted in the house of the Lord uh, is possible when we have all three of these uh, places where the Lord desires to dwell, the heavens, the temple, and a humble and contrite spirit. And so there are, of course, also synagogues of Satan. And how do you determine the difference between the synagogue of Satan and the church of God? How they behave when it comes to God's word. Show me how you treat the word in your church, how you regard the truth. If you treat it with trembling and fear, this is God's sanctuary. If in this place people have perverted, have turned away from the truth, and elect for themselves teachers that would deceive their ears, this is a synagogue of Satan, depending on how, again, how do they regard the truth, how do they perceive the truth. And again, we plant ourselves And so, of course, there's also that situation where a person may be trying to plant himself, but the Lord can uproot him if he's improperly or incorrectly planting uh, himself in the church. And so, uh, people who may have been improperly planting themselves in the church, and people that improperly or incorrectly plant themselves, they uh, spoke first evil against one another in quiet, but then they started agreeing amongst each other, of course. Uh, they found common ground or fo- found common uh, opinions, and that is a dislike for the pastor. And so we need to plant ourselves again in the house of the Lord, and to plant ourselves, we need to also understand that the Lord can uproot us and there are two things that will allow God to uproot us from his kingdom. And the first is every tree that does not produce fruit will be uprooted. And the second, if the tree was not planted by the Heavenly Father, will also be uprooted. They came to Christ and said, the Pharisees were offended when you said these things. And Jesus said, don't worry. This is the plant that my Heavenly Father did not plant. Leave them. These are blind guides who lead the blind. If the blind man leads the blind, they fall into a ditch. These are not plants that the Heavenly Father planted. But there are plants that the Lord has planted, but they refuse to produce fruit. And about such a tree, John the Baptist said, the axe is laid to the root, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and throw and thrown into the fire. John said, produce a legitimate fruit of repentance. And so we see how the Lord uproots people from the church when a person is not his plant or when a person is his plant but refuses to produce fruit to him, to humble before his face, to tremble before his words. Such will not remain in the church. They just won't remain. And so the scriptures say that people who have planted themselves in the house of the Lord in their old age, they will be uh, full of foliage, they will be fresh, they'll be flourishing. Because often what it is when people come into age that there's a loneliness. But 
when we're talking about wisdom, as Mary, if you look at the example of Mary, she had an incredible wisdom at very at a very young age. And what it means by age is mean they will be wise, they will be producing fruit, they will be flourishing, they will be fresh, they will be filled with the Holy Spirit, and they will use the anointing of the Holy Spirit not to uh, show themselves or or make themselves popular, but to find a way to serve someone in the church. Ask uh, to serve one another. And so the Lord, when He gives an incredible power, you're able to use it to serve one another and do work that is simple work that... Uh, uh, an arrogant individual would not necessarily agree to do. And so they would not only will be uh, fresh and and flourishing, they'll always be full of foliage. Full of foliage is having green leaves. These are people uh, in whose leaves the children of God will be will be covering or under its shade. And so when we have these leaves, the scriptures say, you could say about this person that they have the tree of life in themselves and the leaves will be for the healing of the nations. We will not be able to heal with our presence people if within our leaves the heavenly birds do not hide. You may say, Lord, I want that these leaves would to be the and so the birds of the Lord are the revelations of God, and they need to be nesting within these leaves, within this foliage. Um, and so if my foliage never had the revelations of God, then God will not use me to heal anybody. Let's look at the second price, of the price of the second condition for the right to possess the quality of the rock of the Lord in your spirit is demonstrating mercy towards vessels of mercy. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Talking about being established here again. Psalm 112, 5, uh, 5 through 8. In the given prayer of David, we see presented the virtue of the righteous who confesses the rock of the faith of God abiding in his heart, not just confessing words, but confessing the rock, uh, the quality of the rock, the rock of the faith of God. It not be just a prayer, but be a confess confession of that is established. Specifically, our words are called to justify us in the, in the situation that our confessions contain the rock of the faith of God, abiding within our heart and condemn us when we confess idle words. And so when my new person prays, he uses the word of God. When the old man prays, he also uses the word of God. But He will. There will not. He will not be established. He will not have the quality of a rock when it times in times of judgment. 
And so when people pray and they use their old person or their intellect or themselves, they just walk, talk to themselves. Uh, we are called to confess the rock of the faith of God. Matthew twelve thirty four through 37. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. That is words of prayer that are beautiful, but they do not have this quality of a rock of God's faith. But I say to you that for every idle word man may speak, words that don't have this quality of God's rock, they may give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Matthew twelve thirty four through 37 The phrase, a good man deals graciously and lends, is a necessary condition called to give our words the quality of a rock in judgment if we don't have or don't, are not able to have the new person in ourselves, our spirit, who will deal graciously and lend our, uh, to our soul and our body, then during the time of judgment when we will be accused, our spirit, soul, and body, we will not be able to demonstrate this quality of a rock. First question, what criteria or what characteristics does the good man have according to Scripture? That is the first question, what criteria or what characteristics does the good man have according to Scripture? Then the second question, who is the good man supposed to be gracious to and who is he lending to so that the words of his faith would obtain the quality of a rock in judgment third question by what signs do we need to determine that the words that come from our heart can possess the quality of a rock in judgment this first question again what criteria or what characteristics does the good man have according to scripture who is a good man a good man first is a righteous person who possesses the good soil of the heart cleansed from dead works, capable of receiving the seed of the word of truth and grow it into the tree of life, producing fruit twelve times, yielding its fruit each month. This is a good man. Second, a good man before God is identified by his origin as well as by the inner state of the soil of his heart. To identify the righteousness of man, the Lord always looks at the state of his heart. And if this heart is good, he turns his favor upon such a person. Again, to identify the righteousness of a man, the Lord always looks at the state of his heart. Upon the motives of the heart. And to come to pray... As you remember, the Pharisee also came to pray, and the sinner also came to pray. The Pharisee raised his hands, was praying in a very lovely manner, and the other was just beating his chest and repenting, and Jesus says that the one who was beating his chest was more justified, but this one who was praying uh, the Psalms of David, lifting his hands, he was saying in his mind, it is so good that I am not like the sinner. I give my tithes, I pray, I fast. I am not as bad as others. And you say the Pharisee wasn't saying these things. He was just stating the Psalms. And so when we're talking about how the Lord determines our righteousness, he's looking at our inner motives. 
And so the Lord sees what's in your heart and he looks at the motives of our heart. And so when it comes to identifying our righteousness, the Lord always looks at our heart, the state of our heart, the motives of our heart. Third, a good man is identified by his good understanding, which gains him favor and service as an and serves as an identification of, of a good way, which leads to God, which is different from the hard way of the unfaithful. Good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. Proverbs 13, 15. Fourth, a good man is satisfied from his ways in the form of his good confessions. He considers well his steps, and he fears and departs from evil. At the same time, a person with a perverse heart is foolish, believes every word, rages, and is self-confident. Proverbs 14, 14 through 16. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. Fifth, we're identifying a good man. A good man will not allow himself to sin against the Lord in seizing praying for those who are under his responsibility. 1 Samuel 12, 20-25 Then Samuel said to the people, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in the, in the truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Here the good man says that he is continuously praying for those that are under his responsibility. But apart from this, look how powerful his prayer was. He's telling them, he's speaking to them the commandments of God. We hear the sermons of pastor and sometimes uh, you feel very strongly inside from 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 inside of you when you hear certain truth and certain things because the Lord he continuously or the pastor he's continually praying uh, for us uh, to be able to help us and correct our correct us keep us from the evil way evil path and from death and sixth we're talking about what a good man is that needs to be gracious, needs to lend, and who is established. Sixth, a good man is given wisdom from God in choosing the good wife and possesses the ability to escape the woman who is dressed in garments of a harlot. At the same time, the sinner will be trapped by her. Ecclesiastes 7.26 And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are fetters, he who pleases God shall escape from her, but the inner shall be, or the sinner shall be trapped by her. Ecclesiastes 7.26 Understandably, this is a metaphor, and to perceive it as something literal means not having the rock of the faith of God within your heart, as in Jesus Christ there is no male or female gender. In scripture, the good wife implies a church of saints who worship God in spirit and in truth 
At the same time, the woman, who is more bitter than death, implies a synagogue of Satan, loud and rebellious. Their feet do not stay at home. Let us read the synagogues of Satan, Proverbs 7, 1 through 27. <clears throat> this metaphor that is given to us, and so how the synagogues of Satan draw in their their victims. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live, <clears throat> and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablets of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the immortal woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice, and saw among the simple In other words, he wasn't relieving, he said through my lattice, meaning he didn't just take everything just at, uh, as it was at face value or just in literal terms, anything that was given that he received it. Lattice meaning that he was examining it, only receiving uh, what was from the Lord. Because sometimes it leads to foolishness, uh, the things that people uh, believe. And so he says, I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple, I perceived among the youth, a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house, in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. You see what time he was walking, this is a carnal man who he sees everything as if in a dim mirror. This is the category or characteristic of a carnal person. A carnal person is as a foolish youth who believes all kinds of deception and is attracted by various winds of doctrine. And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner, so she caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows, so I came out to meet you, diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. <clears throat> These are people who mix the things that are godly with the things that are uh, of man. The revelations of the Holy Spirit with their own personal lawlessness. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. This is false anointing. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. So you may hear people say, well, they know about salvation. They know about justification. They may hear these words, but they don't know how to apply them correctly. He took a bag of money with him. They also sing, soon and soon we will see the Lord in their churches. 
And so they dance and they sing these things, but with her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost his life. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. And so the scriptures say, if you're a good man, you will keep yourself from such a harlot and will find yourself where there's the virtuous wife that has the narrow who is the narrow gate and so we understand now who the good man is we want we will attempt to see these qualities in our spirit and ourselves second question who is the good man supposed to be gracious to and who is he lending to so that the words of his faith would obtain the quality of a rock in judgment the phrases to be gracious and lens in Hebrew contain many tints of color, which when we learn will allow us to better understand the phrase, a good man deals graciously and lends. Be gracious is to do good, be a benefactor, to spare, to justify, make dependable or reliable, demonstrate trust, make sturdy, immovable. Lend is invest so that you profit, to cling to or to stick to, to join, to accompany on the way. Summing up the given color tense, we conclude that the meaning of this phrase indicates David's relationship with himself, where he sees himself in the light of how God treats him and how God sees him from the position of his redemption. A good man is gracious and lends. The new person, our new person, our spirit, needs to be gracious and this graciousness is that he will lend. He received the guarantee of salvation, our spirit, and he needs to now pass on this deposit, this guarantee to the soul and body. If you remember that the woman, she had taken three measures of flour, she had added leaven until all of the lump became was fully leavened and so how the new person is gracious and lends here it is necessary for this leaven to be able to uh, affect the entire lump our spirit soul and body or another uh, par or parable if you remember that prayer of Christ where he, our father forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and so again if the Lord forgives us if we forgive our debtors but there are things the Lord lends us and if we don't return this what is loaned to us he will never forgive us forgive us our sins as or our debts as we forgive our debtors but when we're talking about righteousness he gives us salvation as a deposit guarantee and we say Lord you gave this to me here's yours back 
and you are an evil and wicked servant, he'll say, I will not forgive you. He will forgive our sins as we forgive our debtors. But if we don't turn it to profit in the death of our Lord Jesus, our salvation, if the seed that he gave us will not become fruit, the Lord will not forgive us. And so the spirit spirit needs to make it that it passes it on to the soul and the body for its, their salvation. Forgiving our debts as we forgive our debtors. He said one friend came to his other friend and their three friends and in the example that he gave and the story that he gave. And he said, I have nothing. And he said, give me three breads. And so the new person having this revelation about the adoption of the body, if he will not rise, then the soul needs to continue to request it because the spirit needs to be gracious to the soul and lend to the soul. And the second friend asks for the friend that came in from the road to him. The one that has the three breads is already at home and his door door is closed and he's sleeping. And this one is knocking, the soul is knocking and asking the spirit, give me the three breads. And so the body is from the street, the friend that came in from the road, he's the body that needs help, that needs your assistance. The Lord wants to save our soul and adopt the body. And if he does not rise and give it to him, be, uh, be gracious to the soul. Very interesting uh, story. And so there's the friend again that came in from the street, our body, and then the friend that's requesting uh, this assistance, these three breads from the one that is already laying and that has his door shut. And so our body and our spirit don't know one another. Everything needs to pass through the soul. And so the soul needs to be persistent in the price that needs to be paid, be persistent, ask for the revelation that is in the spirit so that the spirit be gracious and lend to the soul. So that these three, the salvation so that it would be, be able to cover all aspects of our essence, spirit, soul, and body. And so our good person, our new person, he is gracious and lens. He himself has received it in the form of a, a loan or a, a guarantee, but he now needs to pass it on to the soul and the body so that the soul work with the spirit so that it can become fruit. Because the, the spirit will not be able to produce uh, the fruits of the spirit without the soul. Abraham was not able to bear Isaac without Sarah. Psalm 32, 1 through 8, a psalm of David, a contemplation. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not input iniquity, and whose spirit there is, in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you 
with my eyes. The reason for why many saints are not strong in spirit and as a result do not provide God with legitimate grounds to keep them in perfect peace consists in the fact that they do not, uh, due to some dependence specifically on them, reasons do not accept justification. They don't accept justification into their heart, consisting in redemption upon the condition of grace that is given to them by God, by the preached word given by the messengers of God. The first reason is consists in the fact that they do not accept the authority of the person who is clothed into the power of a father of God, since their great, their greatest authority is their own personal intellect. They think that they are required to inspect and correct the preached by his person word with their own intellectual abilities and therefore place their mind equal to God's mind, which is why they condemn themselves to death. Ezekiel 28.6.10 Therefore thus says the Lord God, because you have set your heart as the heart of God, you shall die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand of aliens, for I have spoken, says the Lord God. This is the first reason. The second reason consists in the fact that they do not see and do not acknowledge that their heart is not cleansed from dead works, as they do not see and do not understand the difference between a service of self-will and the service to which God has actually called them. Matthew seven twenty two twenty three. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And so these people will not be able to uh, have this quality of a rock when it comes to ju- judgment. The third reason consists in the fact that they do not comprehend the signs of the times, specifically what they need to do and when they need to do it. Ecclesiastes 3.1 To everything there is, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. The fourth reason consists in the fact that they do not understand the commandments and statutes in accordance with which they are supposed to serve God, and the reason is because they have rejected the authority of the person who is clothed into the power of a father of God, who would have been able to enlighten them in these things. Ecclesiastes 8, 5-7, He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment, because for every matter there is a time and judgment, though the misery of man increases greatly, for he does not know what will happen, so who can tell him when it will occur? Here we see the reasons why the Lord will not be able to collaborate with man. We see the soul of man, the soul of man that resists and is not able to request or this loan from the spirit. Our spirit is the good man. He wants to lend. He wants to be gracious to our soul so that our soul add these three breads so that it can then be passed on to the body so that the mortal body can be saved our, our soul can be saved, our, our body can be adopted, and there are reasons why this can't happen as we listed them, not acknowledging God's uh, authority in the church, also when we uh, serve God uh, as a self-willed thing or as something that we decide instead of how God requires it, and we don't know signs of the times of when to do what and how to do it. Because we have, again, our own personal opinion of how it needs to be. And, of course, it's typically incorrect. And so upon the soul, there's a great responsibility, and the spirit is ready to be gracious and to lend to it. 
so that it can be established and have the quality of a rock during the time of judgment so that this leaven would be able to affect the entire lump, our entire body, our spirit, soul, and our body. Third question, by what sign do we determine that we have fulfilled the condition so that the words that come from our heart possess the quality of a rock in judgment? To possess the quality of a rock in your words in judgment is to possess the ability to weigh upon the scales of righteousness how much the information which abides within our heart corresponds to the essence of the commandments and statutes of the Lord written in Scripture. The price of these signs in our words contain, containing the quality of a rock in judgment when it relates to David and those like him, David in the given prayer confesses before God the consistency of his heart made up of four components. The righteous will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. The heart of the righteous is established in God. Let's read this, Psalm 112, 5 through 8. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. We see these four uh, by which we can determine that we have this we are established, we have this quality of a rock when it comes time to, for judgment. According to the prayer of David, to weigh yourself upon the scales of righteousness means to confess the kingdom of the grace of God in the greatness of the faith of God abiding within our heart. Therefore, the above-mentioned components are diluted in one the other, reveal themselves in one the other, and state the truthful nature of one the other. The righteous will never be shaken because the Lord reigns upon the throne because the Lord reigns upon the throne of our three-dimensional essence by the means of his royal scepter in the form of our mouth, confessing the greatness and might of the faith of God imprinted upon the tablets of our heart in the form of the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ. And so, when we rule upon the throne, we will not be shaken a person will not be shaken who reigns upon the throne of his three-dimensional essence when these three thrones will be established. First, the Lord establishes his throne in our conscience that is cleansed from dead works and into which we have brought in the commandments of the Lord, the teaching of Christ. In our spirit, we have now our throne. The second throne, he wants to put in place in our soul. We renew with our, our mind, with the spirit of our mind, the words we receive as students, because into your heart you can only receive if you are a student and not as an inspector because either you see this person equal to you or you are obedient to when you see that this person is placed over you and you uh, accept the position of a student to learn uh, then li listening obeying this person who is his right hand who is who is his lips and you renew your mind with the spirit of your mind with the word that you receive the Lord establishes his throne and then you confess this word with your mouth with your gentle mouth and here the Lord establishes his throne and so the righteous showing the signs that we will have this quality Barak is 
when we have these three thrones. The confessions of the faith is the third throne. The confess, confessing with the gentle mouth the words that are in our spirit. And so if you have your third throne, that means you you have a soul that already has its throne and the spirit. You can't confess with the gentle mouth the word of God if in your heart there's not in your soul there's nothing, the spirit there's nothing. And so all of these need to exist um, and be present one after the next in order for them to to be there. Psalm 93, 1 through 5. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up. O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. Your testimonies are very sure. Holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forever. Psalm 93, 1-5 The revelations of the Holy Spirit within our heart are able to and are called to confront or resist the powers of the noise of many waters, representing the reasonable and emotional aspects of our soul by the power of the grace of God which rules within our heart, by righteousness to eternal life, we obtain the ability to count ourselves dead to sin, living for God, proclaiming the not existent as existent, which provides God with legitimate grounds upon which to rule by the means of his holiness within the temple of our body, Romans 5.21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so it turns out that the righteous will not be shaken and so our personal emotions we are familiar uh, with with them very very much so familiar with them something happens someone's driving in the road uh, in a way that you may not like it uh, and we become upset or angry this is the aspect where we need the righteous will not be shaken and discipline these emotions, all these waves and waters that are ready to drown our spirit. We not let it uh, demonstrate itself, show itself. And so as we know, the word of God will need to be, uh, be sitting on the throne within our soul and our gentle tongue will confess that word. It's rare that you would see a king or a queen or a a, a leader maybe of a, of a nation to actually uh, pretty much come out of themselves, uh, lose their, uh, become imbalanced and, and if you look at the president even just of Russia, how he how he how how he behaves himself how he holds himself of course uh, I pray for Biden he is my president because I'm, I'm an American citizen so that, that's why I pray we need to pray for our leaders as it is written And so if there's things that, of course, are said or done that are improper or out of the, not according to Scripture, we, of course, uh, we say, let those words go back to where they came from. 
But we continuously need to learn how uh, these things and how to be with, with these things. The next sign by which we need to determine that the words that are brought out of our heart are able to possess the quality of a rock in judgment is by the fact that the works of God demonstrated in our redemption are a continual remembrance in our heart which provides God with a legitimate foundation to make us a continual or everlasting remembrance in his heart. Testimony of the fact that the redemption of God is a continual remembrance within our heart and that we are a continual remembrance in the heart of God is the breastplate of judgment abiding in our heart in the form of the thummim. And so the remembrance of the works of God will be in your heart, then the righteous will be as a remembrance in God's heart. Exodus 28, 29 through 30. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart when he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually. Why will he enter in with this breastplate of judgment as a continual memorial before the Lord And you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the urm and the thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes before the Lord. So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his, over his heart before the Lord continually. And so the Lord will give this person the quality of a rock when, it, when he is being judged. Why? Because the Lord remembers this person. Because this person remembers the Lord. It's not that you just remember God. No. To remember the Lord is to have this breastplate be it there's an entire teaching one revelation coming from the next and each one confirms the next one and all is interlinked and in a perfect harmony there's the revelation of the holy spirit and when a, per- when a person has this then such a s- saint will always be in my memory who he'll be in my remembrance the lord says it's because he has made me an eternal or an everlasting uh, remembrance he has made me an everlasting remembrance and I will make him an everlasting remembrance in my mind and so you may uh, you may hear people stating things like out loud like we've already overcome we've already defeated we've we are, and they behave in very unusual ways sometimes on the on the stage, not definitely not in accordance to 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 how it's supposed to be as described here. The next sign by which we need to determine that we have fulfilled the condition for the word, which is brought out of our heart to possess the quality of a rock and judgment, is by the fact that we will not be afraid of evil tidings because our heart firmly trusts upon the Lord. Evil tidings are accusations in the form of rumors, lies, defamation or slander and outright deception which are fiery darts of our former friends who have turned against us into in unreconcilable enemies due to unclean assertions and jealousies our heart that firmly trusts in the lord provides god with legitimate grounds upon which to turn these burning darts or arrows released by them in our direction to turn them back and in, and into our enemies so that they die in suffering isaiah 50 9-11 Surely the Lord God will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? He says, who will condemn me? First, I have the remembrance of the works of God in my heart. And so now these evil tidings, I, I do, I'm not afraid of them, is what he's saying. Who will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment. The moth will eat them up. 
Who among you fears the Lord, who obeys the voice of his servant, who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Look, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks you have kindled. This you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. The Lord says that I will bring forth a fire from uh, from your midst to, that will devour you. And so these uh, darts, these arrows that are that are kindled, that are directed at us, they will turn back to them. Why? Because uh, evil tidings will not affect us. We have confidence in our confessions. When we confess the faith of our heart, we have this quality of a rock. Then all of these errors will go back to them and will strike the one from whom they came. The fire that is sent in your direction, it will go back to the person who released them, who sent them. But for this to happen, we have to have this quality of the rock of God in our spirit. The next sign by which we need to determine that we paid the price so that the words brought out of our heart possesses the quality of a rock in judgment is that our heart is established in God and we will not be afraid until we see our desire upon our enemies. Psalm 118.6.7 The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore I shall see my desire on those who hate me. The phrase the Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore I shall see my desire on those who hate me means I will look at my enemies from the entrails of Jesus Christ where it will not be possible for my enemies to find me and take me captive. Second Kings 6, 11 through 23. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alice, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. In other words, they're seeking him, but they became blind, so they followed him wherever he led them, and he led them to Samaria. So when it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw that they were inside Samaria. Now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? 
But he answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Then he prepared a great feast for them, and after they ate and drank, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the b bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. <clears throat> Considering the fact that Elisha spared the Syrian army in the form of the king of Syria, he, we conclude that the Syrian king is a symbol of the reasonable abilities of the soul within the body of a man. At the same time, the king of Israel is a symbol of the reasonable abilities of the spirit within the body of man. Elisha presented the authority of a priest within the conscience of a man able to cooperate with the revelations of the Holy Spirit. At the same time, the servant of Elisha represents the emotional aspects of the soul of man. These wonderful revelations our pastor Akadi has given to us that good man that we have he will be gracious and will lend to our soul and our body this means that our soul and our body need to collaborate so that they can return this debt we came into this church we could have been at home right now And so we could have been there, but we came here. Our body has received salvation as a deposit, as a guarantee. Our spirit received it, and now it's given to the soul and body. And so you then prepare yourself, you, you dress yourself up, you clean yourself, and you come to the service. And it needs to sit in the church. This is our body that's doing this. Our, our soul didn't come to control but to receive the word that the Lord passes on or gives us and to pass it on to the spirit because pass it on uh, because everything passes through the soul the soul is a very instrument within our body and so may the Lord bless us in this prayer let us pray and thank God for the truth that we were able to receive Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we are thankful to you, to your name, for this great privilege to be upon this place that you, your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. We thank you that upon this place you keep the remembrance of your name and you have allowed us to be planted in the house of God we thank you that we can today lift our hands to you without wrath or doubt and turn to you as our Heavenly Father. We thank you for this temple, for this virtuous wife, this good wife who corresponds to the narrow gate. You have allowed us to enter through this narrow gate and have left that baggage that we had possibly that we trusted upon or relied upon, but in the death of the Lord Jesus we lost all that used to be important to us so that we may have you because this is a privilege you forsook all your privileges for our sake and we coming upon this holy place and the power of the Holy Spirit we plant ourselves and root ourselves into the truth 
upon this holy place, you allow us to rejoice in your victory. We thank you that you demonstrate the power of your strength. And this is the place where we can run to and where you can deliver us. We thank you that upon this place you demonstrate the power of your name rock, which we trust in. You protect us here, and as the rock of salvation, you, together with us, by the confessions of our mouth, uh, you rid us of our enemies, not just within the boundaries of our body, but within the boundaries of the church, to cleanse your body, your church, from all those about whom you said, this, these are plants that my Heavenly Father did not plant. You, Lord, are our refuge. You are within your holy presence, and we thank you that you have allowed us to be rooted and established in love and to know and to continue to know upon this place with all saints what are the width, length, depth, and height to be able to comprehend the love of Christ so we may be filled with all the fullness of Christ. We thank you that we can have the fullness of God when our body will worship in, in your temple. We will be filled with all of the fullness of God when the word of God will be uh, exalted in the body of man who is humble, who has a humble and contrite spirit and who worships in a church that corresponds to the standards of your sanctuary. And we could turn to you and lift our faces, faces to you and turn to you as our Heavenly Father. We thank you that in this body, in the temple of our body also, you can uh, lift up your, your holy word. You are our refuge and we run to you and we make the decision to be delivered from all uh, strongholds of deception any other types of secret hidings we don't want to hide ourselves in deception we don't want to hide ourselves we don't want to hide our soul when I lose it in the death of the Lord Jesus because by losing it we then reobtain it we thank you that you in this quality of a rock allow us to stand in the liberty of Christ and not be again be subject to bondage we thank you for the word that is in this place and that is given to us uh, in the sermons in your gospel we thank you that for the discipline that we are in and we grow in we see we are within the beauty of your holiness with a humble and contrite spirit and we tremble before your words we thank you Lord for this great liberty of Christ that we be, our goal is to be placed into the parameters of God's commandments, to be within them, to not violate the boundaries of our neighbor and not to violate your boundaries so that we fulfill our role and not fulfill and take upon ourselves your role. <clears throat> we thank you, Lord, that being in this quality of a rock, we, you make our bow strong. And we are not afraid of those who fight against us and who dr who release their arrows tw against us. You've made our bow strong, and we thank you for the strong word that you give us that has become the possession of our heart. We thank you for the hope that you have established in our heart and for the confession of this uh, rock of your word with our mouth. We, you have allowed us to go into the city of the strong and to destroy their strongholds upon which they trusted. 
we thank you that that law that the old man relied upon, we today take him into our own hands and we thank you the law that is a spiritual law. We pray that this wonderful armor, that there is no, uh, none that, nothing that compares to it. The command, the commandments are not given against the righteous, but to reveal the criminal. We receive your truth. We, you allow us to know your commandments, your laws, and you allow us to see where the criminal is and to condemn him to death so that we, using the law, die for the law in the death of the Lord Jesus. When, Lord, we die for our nation, the house of our Father, and for our corrupt desires, we thank you that you have allowed us today to enter into the city of the strong and take the armor that he trusted upon and that he had attacked us with. We pray that and we thank you that you teach our hands for war and our fingers for battle. We thank you that you give us the ability to confess with our gentle mouth the abilities of your name, Rock. You have uh, given us a firm foundation, a confident foundation, and each one that confesses the name of the Lord, you say, thank you that you have known your inheritance and we know you by learning your truth, by hearing your words, by following your commandments. Uh, in the form of the Urim and Thummim, and you have allowed us to depart from all iniquity, from all uh, criticism, from all evil. You have the ability to heal our wounds, our maybe pampered dignity and our dishonor that we may be suffering with, and you will lift us up to your uh, glorious level. We thank you for the mercy you give us in this place. We make the decision to depart from all iniquity and confess your name. We put away, we put off our former way of life, who grows corrupt according to its deceitful lusts. We renew our mind with the spirit of our mind, and we put put on our new person, who is in accordance to God, in true righteousness and holiness. And for this, we deny everything. We take up our cross and follow you. We're ready to reject all that is evil and choose all that you call good. We want to remove all of the burden that may be upon our shoulders that we are not to carry. We choose to serve you, our only God, and reject all those things for for the sake of your holy name in accordance to your commandments. And you have then the absolute right to clothe us into the garments of your salvation and we thank you for the garments of your salvation you clothe us into your wonderful and pure and bright linen you clothe us into garments of justice you crown us with the crown of a groom and the adornment of a bride you allow us today to clothe ourselves into the power and the representing power of Yahweh of hosts, and we thank you for that. We lift you up. Our Lord, who is in the heights of the heavens, who is in the sanctuary, and in the humble and contrite spirit, we thank you that the one that is strong in spirit, you keep in perfect peace. We thank you that you keep us in this perfect peace, the place where you more than where more than once the enemy has tried to attack, to take this place uh, 
using evil tactics uh, through the thievery and and jealousy and other uh, slander and other ways but you have protected this place because you said that your name is written here and you have made this place immovable and you continue to demonstrate your might in your quality of a rock and so thus to be a strong and immovable foundation where you allow us today be rooted into and be established in as well. We thank you, Father, for this great privilege to be upon this place and to hear this word that we had the privilege to hear, to study, to learn, to to be clothed into. We pray, Lord, that you allow us to be planted in your house. And you said in your word, that we bear fruit to you. We will be fresh. We will be flourishing. We will be full of foliage. We pray that the spring of your resurrection, your healing power, your, your power of restoration, so that it fill the bodies of your saints. You said that the way of the righteous are like the rays of the sun. We pray, Lord, that this light, these rays, that they become stronger and stronger to the fullness of day until there's a complete or fullness of healing for those who may need your godly touch. We pray for our pastor, Brother Akadi. You said that your healing shall rise until the fullness of day. And we thank you for your godly day. We pray for the revelation that we had the privilege to hear today, to study today. We thank you for this day that the Lord has, that your messenger has passed on to us through you or from you. And we thank you for your holy person in your mind, in his mind, in his lips he has your day and we ask that you hear about your word the word that you promised Abraham Isaac and Jacob we are before you uh, an everlasting memorial or remembrance and we thank you for your word you said in your word that we bow before and that we exalt above all other things <clears throat> you say that the way of the righteous is as the lights of, of the rays of the sun that will continue until the fullness of day. Those who tremble before my name, before my word, you will see these rays of healing and you will go out as <clears throat> as healthy young bulls. You said that you will do this in the day that you choose and we pray that you that this day come and that this happened that you promised about and you said in your word that you want in your healing not just give healing for the body but in your healing you can also trample the wicked and trample them as dust in the streets we pray Lord about this type of healing for every holy person of God 
we pray for this healing for our apostle so that this healing would be able to trample all those that are mocking today that the daughters of the Philistines who today rejoice and are glad so that they be shamed. We pray, Lord, about your sign, the sign of your covenant and your absolute healing and restoration that all of your enemies and our enemies be ashamed before your holy face. We thank you, Father, for this wonderful light that rises in our hearts and in our church, and it shall rise until the fullness of day. And it is rising. We thank you for these rays that fill and penetrate our soul. And we thank you that these rays also affect our body. We thank you, Lord, that the race of your godly power is filling the bodies of your saints. You have paid an incredible price for our mortal bodies, for this mortal body. You gave us your son in your bread and in the cup because you wanted to touch our body with this bread and cup, showing how precious the body of your saints is to you. We thank you for your love, for your care. We pray, may, in the name of Jesus Christ, the daughters of the Philistines be ashamed. May they turn. May these fiery darts of the lawless and the wicked be turned back on on them and strike them. We pray that you draw out your fire from them and this very fire that you draw out from the wicked would be able to devour them themselves as they once had devoured devil and Satan. You had drawn fire from him and with this fire you destroyed him. We thank you, Lord, that you have made us free and inaccessible for criticism, evil information, slander, You allow us to be in the entrails of Jesus Christ. You allow us to be established in faith and in your word. And to have this wonderful, firm foundation. We desire and we wait for the day when our apostle will be with us. Not because we want to hear something new. But because we want to see your victory. We want to see how you are victorious in your body and the bodies of your saints so that all of your enemies would be ashamed before your holy face. And we pray, fill your heart with joy. We pray, fill your heart with joy. in healing and in restoration for your saints. May you be satisfied, Lord. Allow us to seek what is good to you. And we thank you that you have revealed your will, your commandments, which we abide in, and that we worship before and we lift them up today in the temple of our body. 
upon this holy place together in the sanctuary. We with trembling, Lord, wait for the moment when we will hear our apostle. This time is coming near. We will wait with trembling the word that you have prepared for us on Sunday. And we bless you from this holy place, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's finish with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.